Um, today, I just want to cover off our expectations leading into the November Agricultural and Chemicals FY22 reporting season. Um, so as you'd be aware, um, our 30 September year-end companies reporting in November include Orica, Elders, Incitec Pivot, United Malt, New Farm and Grain Corp. And you can just see uh, over the past year, uh, Grain Corp has outperformed while UMG has severely underperformed while it's been in an earnings downgrade cycle. So first of all, I think it's important just to touch on some of the key themes um, that we see at play in, in the ag and chemical season. Clearly, we've had a couple of years of some very favourable seasonal conditions. This has resulted in some big crops. We've had high soft commodity prices, high inputs, uh, selling prices, whether that's been ag chem, fertiliser, etc. Australia being a net exporter of agricultural produce, uh, we're benefiting uh, from the lower dollar and farmers are generally pretty cashed up. So overall, in 22, we do think it'll probably be record high earnings for most of the companies we're going to talk about this morning. Um, if we look at ABARE's expectations for, for 23, they are forecasting the value of Australian agricultural production to fall by 4%. However, importantly, it's still going to be the second highest on, on record, so still a very good year. Um, I suppose that the other key theme we're going to see this uh, reporting season, as we're seeing with... Um, many companies around the world, is cash flow is going to be pretty ordinary. Um, these companies have been impacted by higher inventory levels, whether that's high input costs, them having extra safety stocks on hand um, so they can uh, supply their, their customers, just given all these supply chain um, issues. Importantly, though, balance sheets across the sector are going to be strong. So at the moment, what's topical is we're in the third uh, year of La Nina, and that certainly doesn't happen often. The last time we had three years in a row was 1998 to 2001. It's gone from being a blessing for farmers uh, to absolutely an issue, and you've seen the news in, in, in recent weeks, the lost crops, the lost livestock, the supply, issue, supply chain issues, will farmers even be able to get product to market? Um, rain at harvest is going to severely impact the quality of the grain, which means farmers will get a much lower price for their grain. Um, there are some concerns with the upcoming summer crop, whether that's rice, cotton or sorghum. Will farmers be able to plant, um, you know, to their full expectations, just given it is too wet out there? Clearly, though, the, I suppose the medium-term positive is that if La Nina, La Nina remains well into 2023, it sets the East Coast up for another big winter plant. It does mean the dams are full and will underpin um, the next couple of years of hopefully big, big summer crops. But these issues, what we've seen is farmer confidence fall just in, in, in recent months on the back of too much rain. They've got high input costs. They've got labour issues. And clearly the foot and mouth disease and lumpy skin disease scare that we saw July throughout the press really did impact uh, uh, sentiment in the bush. And then the last two themes we're going to see, in, and I think will remain in 23, is that European energy crisis will underpin higher gas prices, which will underpin higher fertiliser and AN prices. And with grain stocks at 10-year lows, um, some seasonal uncertainty around the world and concerns about that Ukraine-Russia export deal, which potentially um, ends on the 19th of November, if it's not renewed, uh, grain prices are expected to remain at these um, elevated levels. So let's turn to our expectations on each of the companies. What are we looking out for? Well, first of all, we have Orica on the 9th of November. 
And they've just recently come out saying that their EBIT will be slightly ahead of consensus expectations, which was $545 million or up 28%. Now, the, some of the reason for the beat is their change in disclosure. They're now putting above the line in underlying earnings. Their recently exited uh, Russian businesses where previously they were below the line in, in guidance. So they have changed the goalposts. But look, without a doubt, it's still a very good year for Orica, albeit cycling uh, a weak comp. So in 22, Oric has benefited from very strong demand for explosives, uh, tight industry supply, higher AN prices. In fact, uh, given this whole sort of energy energy crisis, limited supply, they've got the best pricing power they've seen in years, and certainly their customers are willing to pay for security supply. They've also seen an improved product mix. So the P&L gets a big tick. The issue is, though, is cash flow. Their cash flow is going to be extremely ordinary um, for the reasons we just mentioned earlier, uh, but also um, now that Russia's out of the market, and remember that's a key supplier of uh, chemicals around the world, they've had to go to new countries, and these new countries want payment up front, which has impacted their working capital. So Orica is a hold for now. We do recognise that new management team has put in place a strategy that will deliver very solid double-digit earnings growth over the next few years. But what we need to see is them generate solid cash flow so they can fund that growth. They recently raised a lot of new capital that will take time to digest. And while we like the tech acquisition associated with that raise, what we and the market didn't like was the over-raise to fund working capital. So we then turn to Elders on the 14th of November and we think they'll hit at least the top end of their earnings guidance, which was for EBIT's growth of 40%. So they've benefited from absolutely ideal conditions in every direction, whether it's seasonal, pricing, et cetera. They've also had market share wins. Uh, they've benefited from new acquisitions and their backward integration uh, strategy. Just remember, though, net profit growth will be more modest, uh, just given they're subject to a normal tax rate now. On cash flow, another company where we think they'll miss uh, management's 90% cash flow conversion target, just given the supply chain issues and their backward integration strategy, which requires greater working capital. Um, as we turn to 23, we think management will reiterate that they're targeting that eight-point plan target of 5 to 10% growth. But we think this is going to be Elders' most difficult year, just given the massive base they're coming off now in, in 22, and particularly as some of these pricing and seasonal conditions start to start to normalise. Um, and you can see, you know, the cattle price is um, still close to record highs, but as that cattle herd rebuilds in Australia over coming years, it's not going to be at those, those levels. So um, Elders is clearly trading on um, undemanding multiples. It's obviously one of the safest ways of playing the agricultural sector in Australia, given its diversified business model, its fantastic management team that have always outdelivered over the last six years, and conservative balance sheet. But we do think we are nearing top of the market sort of uh, operating conditions, and that's why we maintain a hold. Uh, we then turn to Intertech Pivot on the 15th of November. And it's going to be a record year of earnings growth for Intertech, um, driven by these boom time fertiliser prices, a lower A dollar, uh, strong explosive volumes, and also um, it's it certainly had an improved manufacturing performance compared to the previous year. Again, we do expect it to have reasonable cash flow conversion in the second half, but it will be lower um, than normal just given these elevated commodity prices. But the strong cash flow overall it will produce in this year will de-lever de the balance sheet quite severely, and we do expect them to reward shareholders with a very attractive final dividend. 
So if we're, as we turn to 23 and 24, you'll note that our earnings forecast fall. And that is because we're assuming lower fertiliser prices. But look, what I'd note is there's some conservatism there at this stage. Um, if European uh, gas prices remain high, that's going to underpin um, certainly high um, fertiliser prices. What I would note is our fertiliser price assumptions are well below spot. And if you look at the current uh, spread, um, something like IPL's Wagaman um, facility uh, that's benefiting from the low US dollar uh, Henry Hub gas price versus the poor Europeans that are paying up here, and therefore their plants are uneconomic, and they've in fact had to shut or slow 70% of their production. And then IPL benefits from this you know, near record high ammonia price. Um, it's making some, some fantastic margins at the moment. There's also upside to our A dollar assumption in 23. There's upside to our Henry Hub assumption. Uh, but we are w watching that Northern Territory, um, you know, the gas issues they're having, which may have further implications for its Phosphate Hill plant. Um, but look, IPL does remain the key pick in the ag and chemical sector. If that demerger is approved next year, um, we think the fertiliser business will certainly benefit from a new management team and board that will have a clear focus um, on a growth strategy and a capital allocation strategy, which has been clearly lacking in recent years because all the funds and all the focus has gone on the explosives business. Um, we then have United Malt on the 15th of November. Um, and it's fair to say it's been extremely disappointing since demerger. And this result is going to be um, appalling down 26% and it's comping a low uh, previous corresponding period affected by COVID. But it's interesting, at the current depressed share price, I'd have to say um, UMG is probably the one I'm getting most insto interest at the moment because we know it is trading well under a placement value of the assets. There is material upside from a proper operator running this business um, and it should have a very strong earnings growth profile over the next few years from the new plants in place and the transformation program. And remember, it's also a beneficiary of a lower A dollar. If we turn to New Farm, it's reporting on the 16th of November. We're expecting a very strong result, potentially um, a slight beat there. Again, cash flow is going to be lower than expected. Um, you would have heard about the EU drought. I think France had the worst drought in 100 years um, and given supply chain issues. Uh, but look, importantly, gearing will still be well below its, its target range. Um, if we turn to 23, I'd suggest management will say they're targeting growth. At this stage, we're going to be more conservative. Uh, just given you can see the fall in the glyphosate price in, in green and it's potentially going to go go lower. And also we, we're assuming that, um, you know, the, the bumper winter crops we've had in Australia will start to, to normalise. But what, what we do expect is New Farm will resume growth and decent growth from 24 onwards as it's got a whole pipeline of high margin products coming through and it's got an exciting seeds business that's going to, that's going to scale over coming years. So, New farms are hold for now, just given it's got a lack of short-term catalysts. But those that can take a long-term view, it would be the key pick because there is material upside if they deliver those FY26 targets. And clearly, a larger sustainable seeds business would result in a PE re-rating. And if I can just lastly finish on GrainCorp, which reports on the 16th of November. Look, this company's had a number of upgrades. It's been some bumper seasons. We're at the top end of guidance. FY22, an absolute record year for Grain Corp. Absolutely perfect conditions and a once-in-a-generation uh, level of grain marketing profits, which you can see from, from this graph. 
So effectively, it's been buying grain off the farmers at the Aussie price, selling it to the international cu customers at the uh, international price. This spread, you can see, bumper grain marketing profits. Now the spread's narrowed. That's not there for 2023. So while 23 will still be a good year with another bumper crop, now, I would have said literally a month ago that crop would have been upgraded again by ABES. At the moment, there's real concerns about how much will be lost given given the floods and how much will, will be downgraded. But it will still be a big, big crop by historical standards despite that. Grain Corp in 23 will also have very high carryover grain from the big 22 crop and it will have a full export program. But earnings will fall because that spread on the grain marketing uh, profits will, will not be there. So for that reason, Grain Corp is a whole, given earnings will fall over the next couple of years. It is expensive based on more normal or through the cycle type earnings. But what I do recognise is that Grain Corp is currently trading on what grain prices do, what the whether the war escalates um, or not, and clearly, um, you know, all the uncertainty around the weather events and what that means for the crop. So with that, I'll, I'll leave it there. Mm -hmm.